Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for Wednesday, the 1st of April 2015. And joining me on this edition, Assistant Editor Steve Withers. You've never seen me panic. When I panic, I make this face. News Editor Mark Hodgkinson. So much for little green men. Games Editor Mark Botwright. The upholstery is already ruined. And audio reviewer Ed Sally. What do you want? Coke? Pepsi? Saline IV? Uh, so welcome along to the AV Forums podcast. And unfortunately, we have to start with some sad news. And the sad news concerns one of the nice guys of the AV industry in the UK, uh, someone who has always been uh, a friend of AV Forums, always helped out AV Forums, and that's Alan Rosa from uh, Sim2, and he was also the managing director of Anthem AV Solutions. Uh, sadly, Alan passed away last week um, after a short battle with cancer. He was 53. I guess AV Forums members will know Alan if you ever attended the Bristol Sound of Vision show and went along to one of his demos. Um, I don't think you would ever forget him, would you, uh, Ed? No. Um, let's say, I've always been more about the music than the, than the image, but Alan was the closest thing to someone that might be able to change your mind. Um, wherever possible, he looked at what the state of the art was and just either achieved it or on occasions just managed to, to to often just take it that little bit further i mean don't get me wrong all of his uh, all of his video demonstrations if you had to ask you almost certainly couldn't afford it but and, and he always started with that like, he always said that at the beginning yeah. <laughs> it was it was jaw by and large jaw-droppingly good um really some of some of the most memorable demonstrations i, I i've had in, certainly in the uk and arguably at any show yeah um and yes a, a, a genuine loss to, to the a industry. genuinely nice guy and he also had a wicked sense of humour he had a, a bigger than life personality as well one of the things that sticks in my mind and we're, we're going to come on to it because he helped us out at the gadget show uh, two or three years ago now when we did our, our stand and we had the demo and Alan run that uh, but we went out for dinner one evening and um, we were stuck in a room which was upstairs in this restaurant and it was a, a more reflective room than what Ed usually sits in. Um, really <laughs> reflective room. And of course we had three separate tables of people. So there was our table and it was about 15 to 18 of us on, on the table. And then there were two other tables with maybe eight to 10 people on them. And of course, you know, one group starts talking and it starts talking and it gets louder and louder and louder to one point where it was just but you couldn't hear the person next to you. It was so loud. And I always remember Alan just manages to bring that whole room down to absolute silence. And he did it in such a way that it wasn't offensive to the other people in the room. It was inclusive. It was done with a lot of uh, humour. And, you know, the level in the room was brought down to so we could all hear each other again. And that really sticks in the, in my mind. That's the type of person he was, wasn't he, Steve? Yeah, he was. He was, he was a really nice guy. And he just said he had a very dry wit. Um, knew his products really well too, so always very helpful if you needed any information on something you were reviewing. Uh, quite often used to bring them down himself, um, you know, pop down in his car with a projector, with a 30 grand projector in the booth for me to review, and then we pop out for a bit of lunch, and it was lovely. Uh, yeah, it was a real shock. I mean, I, like Ed, I, I saw him only five weeks ago at Bristol, um, and so when you told me yesterday, I was very, very shocked and surprised and uh, deeply saddened. You know, it's it's always a shame when someone you know personally know actually dies, and. Um, it's a real shame. Yeah, it is a shame. And obviously we pass on our best wishes and condolences to his family and friends. Um, he will be missed. He'll be a big miss. Okay, moving on. And um, I guess we could go to a trailer first because the big trailer was released for Spectre, which is the teaser, Steve. And um, very cleverly done because there's absolutely no action in there whatsoever. Um, yeah, it was, but there is yeah. the sound of a nice V12 engine. <laughs> it was uh, it was a surprising trailer in that sense. And I thought quite clever. 
that it, it sort of it was you know it set a tone for the film uh, and and it certainly enticed you in with with a, with a bit of mystery which is good no not unlike a lot of trailers it didn't give away any plot points you didn't have any idea what was going on but you just, you were definitely intrigued by what what you saw on screen um I, I thought it was a really clever trailer and as you say Phil no action so it was just it just drew you into the world and gave you a, a taster of, of the kind of thing that um kind of you know atmosphere and look that uh, Mendes is going for with this movie uh, and then um and then ended with uh, you know a shadowy figure um you recognize Christoph Voss's voice but um you know I thought uh, this I, it got me hooked me definitely I'm really really looking forward to this film. I think it's going to be good the stuff they, they've released so far in terms of photographs and that sort of stuff had a very much a on a magic secret service vibe to it the stuff in the Alps and also um there's a shot of um Daniel Craig in a sort of a black polo neck with um with a shoulder holster very very much like a, a photograph of um Roger Moore from Live and Let Die so you know I, I got the feeling and I'm really hope I'm right on this one that uh, Mendes is, is going to go back to really classic Bond with this film I do hope that the, <laughs> with those those quite differentiated points though because I, I rather hope in tone terms they go for on Her Majesty's Secret Service and and not not the only black exploitation Bond film that was <laughs> I was going to say are we including <laughs> Live and Let Die as one of the classic Bonds here it is one of the classic it. Bonds but it isn't it, it, not for the it, reasons that it, it no, plans it's very, much, it's it's very much of its least. time <laughs> um, actually all, most of Roger Moore's early Bond films were basically jumped on bandwagons so black exploitation, uh, Kung Fu um, you know karate movies um, in the, the whole thing with Jaws, post Jaws, and um, smoking the, the bandit with the uh, the uh, what film was it where they did the the bridge flip? Uh, that was um, that was the Man with the Golden Gun, and they, yeah. a brilliant, brilliant, amazing stunt ruined by a terrible sound effect. Yeah, this is true. Uh, and also, and obviously, Moonraker post Star Wars. So they were bandwagon esque all those films. Basically, it wasn't until um, For Your Eyes Only that it kind of I thought they made a a genuine standalone non-influenced Bond movie. Unfortunately, that gets ruined by a truly dreadful Bill Conti score. From what we know, and we know very little has to be said, I'm really looking forward to this film. I think it's going to be a cracker uh, and one of the big releases of the year along. Well, in what is, as you mentioned, I think last week, a very big year for, with a lot of big releases coming out. I think in many ways it looks, uh, as I say, I had a particular big with Skyfall. I don't like Bond revenge films. I mean, Timothy Dalton's living, uh, License to Kill was e- equally crippled. Um, I, I, yeah, it, it, there's some intriguing points. It does, you know, tonally look quite nice. I differ from you, and I think that Alf, the Aston Martin is a just a totally derivative piece of design. It doesn't, it doesn't have any of the bits that I would associate with the brand but hey you know it's going to biff around and look look sharp and you know be exactly the sort of thing that a man trying to move around in a stealthy and undercover way needs to to do that um yeah I'm, I, it, it all things promising i, I don't know about you it's, it, i don't i mean obviously i guess with people we're encouraging people to watch the trailer we're saying not giving many major plot points away i would have said that photo that he was looking at sat on a sofa that would suggest to be a fairly major fundamental part of the plot to me but you know perhaps we differ on this i'm not really a bond fan uh but i, I quite like the trailer it wasn't very bondy it was dark and atmospheric and the uh, bad guy looked quite good but i didn't really really like know who anyone was apart from bond because I, I don't really follow it anymore <laughs> so but i like the quote from the bad guy whatever it was about him being something in a, like a what was it? What a was kite it? in a hurricane. Yeah, I quite like that. I quite like the way he delivered that. So it was quite promising. I won't go and watch it, but I, I quite like the trailer. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> at least you're honest, Mark. At least you're honest. I'll give you that one. Right. Uh, let's move things along. Competition time. Let's see what we can win. And who am I going to victimise this week? Um, let's go to Mr. Sally. Go on then. Right. Well, latest competitions. Thankfully, none of these are going to require you to rush. We've still got some breathing space for, from, from April Fool's Day. Necessary death of Charlie Countryman. Three copies of that. Uh, the Sound Magic P30S headphones, which is much more enthusiastically endorsed by me. Two pairs of those by 20th of April. Um, if you need a pair of headphones, well, I mean, you know, they, they, they're not actually that expensive. If you need a, a really, really cracking pair of headphones for sensible money, they're excellent anyway, but you've got a chance to get them for free. So just if you haven't already entered that, why not? There's something wrong with you. Um, the Coen Brother Blu-ray box set on the 26th of April, actually some pretty damn good films. Deadline for that 26th of April. And last but by no means least, a Dani Cubic One stereo system. Now, they, that's jolly good as well. A uh, nice piece of uh, Scandinavian design that also actually sounds quite a lot of cop as well. And you've got until the end of the month for that. So you can, you know, you can dilly dally around and we'll mention it a couple more times. You go, oh, yeah, and then enter it at that point. Those are your competitions, Mr. Hinton. OK, thank you very much. And as you say, uh, April Fool's Day is the day that this uh, podcast goes out. The reason we're not talking about April Fool's Day is that we're not recording it. Uh, we're recording it the day before and we don't know what people have done Um as April Fools. So, no, well, so imagine in an a, hour's a, time, this will be a, a giant April Fools podcast. <laughs> well, there'll be inevitably be a good BMW advert. They're very good at April Fools' Day, um, uh, and then we'll see what else crops up. I'd, I'm imagining there'll be something around the election, seeing as uh, that's now kicking into gear, and uh, best avoid the TV for the next. Yeah, but how on days. earth do you tell the difference between yeah, someone no, behaving deliberately like an ass <laughs> and the election? <laughs> They're, you know, that's it. Ed has been participating in every April Fool's Day for the last four the years. The world's longest setup. <laughs> you, is it just me? Or are you thinking that at the last minute his brother's going to turn up uh, and say, "Actually, it's all been a joke. I'm really in charge of the Labour Party. Clearly, we aren't so stupid. We would we'd elect my ugly and ludicrous younger brother." Uh, obviously, those are the opinions of Steve Adams <laughs> and not AV forums. <laughs> Anyway, well, I think anyone with any sense is thinking when the Labour Party, where the guys look, look, look. There's there's a reason why we don't discuss politics on the forums or in the podcast. This isn't a political <laughs> statement. Though. This has nothing to do with Labour politics or conservatives. Couldn't care less. I'm just saying Ed Miliband does not look like a world leader, does he? Let's be honest about this. This is purely personal. Yeah, but David Cameron doesn't either. No, no, nor does he. So and all, as I say, it's all summed up very, very neatly on uh, on Twitter. As I say, if Ed Miliband posts something. Within literally 10 seconds, the first reply is always, F*** off, Beaker. <laughs> and if David Cameron posts something, within seconds, the first reply is inevitably, F*** off, dish face. It's just how it works. What does Farage get then? Uh, uh, he, he, does, not, he just gets a sort of sustained medley of abuse. Whereas it, with Cameron and Miliband, it is absolutely consistent. It's like there is a shift, a secret organisation of people that just sit on Twitter waiting for an outburst from what either of them and their, their only like the mission. people in the hatch in Lost who have to sit there at their computer <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is literally like David that. Cameron's posted <laughs> something quick so like I was saying um, yeah best hiding away and not looking at any media for the next 38 days if we want to avoid the election stuff um, no doubt it's going to get pretty silly uh, very quickly right so we said it's the beginning of the month which means uh, we've got some upcoming reviews apart from Ed Ed will do the middle of the month update uh, oh, no, so let's all of my ones are fresh and ready to go. Now. Really? Well, there's three well, uploaded. That's, a, that's last Yeah, but year's. that's last month's. <laughs> oh, got, yeah, okay. We've, we've got to save them in yet. reserve to use them through that month. <laughs> we'll be on the next batch. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, so let's go to somebody relevant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> you know I love you, Ed. Uh, Mr. Withers, what do you have coming up for review? Well, uh, tomorrow, on the 1st of April, hopefully this is not an April Fool's joke, uh, I'll be getting two pieces of Arkham kit. And um, up until now, we haven't seen, I know Ed's done a couple of Arkham DACs, but we haven't seen much in their way of their AV stuff recently. And uh, I'm quite excited to get back out. I'm going to get in the, the AVR750 AV receiver and the UDP 411 Blu-ray player, universal Blu-ray player. So that's excellent. Um, and I'm also picking up, a, I'm probably the week after, not, not this week, but next week, getting a Yamaha YSP 1400 um, soundbar. Uh, again, Yamaha makes some great soundbars, and that's going to be good, hopefully. Possibly another piece of review kit, but I don't want to say what just yet. Oh, no, no, I'll keep that one under there. Yeah, so I'm, that's what I mean, that's why I'm not saying it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right, so moving on, uh, Hodge, what have you got coming up? Uh, in terms of AV, I've got a Samsung J9000 due in tomorrow. Uh, I've got a Samsung Blu-ray player, 4K scaling Blu-ray player. Uh, and then I've got a, about half a dozen Android boxes uh, and hopefully quite soon the Nexus player and the Amazon Fire TV stick. Good stuff. Ed, do you know what you're doing this month? Or? Uh, I know some of them. I'm listening to one of them at the moment to monitor the podcast. Uh, if you remember Noble, the people that gave us a £1,000 earphone, the good news is I've got one of their cheaper products. All right, so it's not the supercar company, Noble. No, not the, no, no, not the plastic thing from Leicester. Oh. And then uh, the third of the fourth turntables, uh, the four turntables we'll be going through. Uh, things are getting serious there. Shit's getting real, y'all. Um, <laughs> and uh, hopefully... Um, I towards the end of the month. Well, I, I know everything I do is towards the end of the month, but in terms of them physically turning up, will be towards the end of the month as well. Um, QQ six three thousand series, because let's face it, that's one of the most important speaker packages that's been released recently. So it's probably about time that one of us. Oh, I think the supplier of my speaker package would have something to say about that. Well, I know that, but it's, this is you know this is affordable. This is uh, you know, and let's face it, almost everything that QQ six has ever released has been pretty bloody good. Yeah, they are pretty so, good at what they do. Yeah, um, I've, I've got to say, I, I, I quite fancy getting up here and there. Uh, their latest 3000 series in and having a, a good listen to them yeah. I'm hoping for a set in the leather because I'm kinky and I just want to see how they do it quite clean <laughs> yeah. studs and um, and hooks t- uh, optional <laughs> well we'll see it's comes a with a free gimp mask <laughs> uh, right as I alluded to uh, I have the MKS 150 Mark 2s in at the moment for review with the uh, 150T Surrounds and two of the new V12 subwoofers. The big how's boxes. Your back, how's your back, Phil? Oh, the big boxes <laughs> arrived. Struggled with them up the stairs, opened the box, and then realised they're tiny. <laughs> <laughs> I told you to unpack them at the bottom of the stairs. <laughs> they are quite small, um, but pack pack quite a bit of punch. I mean, I've put about four hours in already with those, and they're really good. I've got the in walls on walls turning up this week, so we're going to do a bit of a comparison piece between the big 150 Mark IIs and the on walls. And then hopefully you should be getting the um, the S300s, which are the new M&K speakers, which are based on the 150s, but are said to be leagues ahead in terms of uh, audio quality. So that's got those coming up. We've got some Yamaha products coming in. Uh, so I've got a Yamaha AVR, a Yamaha soundbar, um, and what else do I have this month? Oh, yes, it's a 40-inch uh, 4K TV from Samsung. Uh, it's actually sitting in the room with me now. It's just you can delivered. finally watch your Canada footage in 4K. Yeah, it's 40 inches, so I'll have to sit Close right up. with my nose right up to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so interesting to see that one because um, I've got to say again, I was expecting a big box to turn up, woohoo, and uh, that one turned up and it, it, it was nine to it. 
Welcome all. to the new world of televisions, Phil. Yeah, I mean, I was <laughs> the last expect- one you had was a CRT, was it? <laughs> no, not not quite. I mean, I think I think the last TV I did was was probably um, I think it was a professional plasma Panasonic, yeah, and chunky. Um, which turned up in a flight case. So I was expecting this. <laughs> the guy turns up with it under his arm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, that should be interesting. First TV I've looked at for probably about eighteen months. So interested to to see how far the techs come along. Um, and obviously Samsung seem to be getting uh, well ahead of everybody else this year, releasing stuff. We've seen this will be the fourth screen, third or fourth screen that we've seen from them. So um, mm. hopefully the others won't be too far behind. Maybe Steve's getting something from one of the others. Who knows? I'm just keeping it a secret. Uh, and in terms of games news, uh, watch that space. Um, I'll, I'll let Mark save it for their games podcast to let you know what's coming up in terms of reviews and articles and all that kind of thing. Right, so let's move on. Uh, let's go to an Ask the Idiots question. Uh, quite relevant, as we've just been talking about 4K TVs. This one came in from um, at Lefty Guitar 1963 uh, via Twitter. And will all TVs produced in the next few years be able to do Rec 2020 or DCI? He says DCI 1.3. I'm suspecting you mean DCI P3 here, Brian. Um, DCI, yes. Rec 2020, I would say not likely. That was point, really, is it? Incredibly unlikely. Um, uh, And we'll be lucky. I mean, when we say TVs hitting DCI, of the current range of TVs that are coming out, those that are using Quantum Dot um, or what's uh, Panasonic are using? um, The uh, phosphor. The coloured phosphor thing. Colour phosphor. Um, I think that I think Panasonic are getting ninety eight percent of DCI, yeah. and with Quantum Dot, Samsung at least are getting ninety two percent of DCI. So we're not even quite at DCI. Pretty close, to be fair. I mean, yeah. not, not really a notice difference, but we're almost at DCI. But if you look at Red twenty twenty on a CIE chart, there's no, this, it's gigantic. And it, okay, it's only really there because the ITE included it as part of the standard for Ultra HD. But it doesn't have to be used. I think what, there's a lot of confusion here about. Yeah, what, what you'll find is Red twenty twenty is is. It's so wide that it's going to be impossible to reach, but everything else fits in yeah. into it, which is why they've specified Rec 2020. So when they say Rec 2020, don't expect that um, at all from a professional point of view. So that's filmmakers and, and so on, because none of the cameras can do that and not likely to do that within the next 10 years. So none of the material that's being captured is going to be captured at Rec 2020. It will be at DCI. Post-processing. Um, I don't know anybody that produces any professional monitors or anything that can do Rec 2020 or likely to do in the next five to ten years. And like we say, playback-wise, not likely. So it's a standard, it's a recommendation, which is why it's called Rec 2020, Recommendation 2020. Um, Everything is going to fit within that. Uh, Nothing will ever reach 2020. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is included in the specs for Ultra HD, and it is included in the specs for Ultra HD Blu-ray, but... When you think about it logically, if you're making, you know, if you're producing digital cinema um, packages for the for, for the movies and those are using DCI, it makes sense just to port that across um, and use it for the basis of any um, domestic release. Yeah. Yes, TVs definitely will be hitting DCI over the next few years, and that will become the standard, I, I expect. And I think content's going to be using DCI. Yeah. And DCI um, is nothing to be nothing to snub at. Bloody good. Oh, it's it's, that, it's good, absolutely it? brilliant compared to uh, Rec Seven Hundred Nine, which we've had for twenty odd years now. Um, it is a big step up, DCI. So yeah, if no, you look I, at the uh, review of the JS Nine Five Hundred or the JS Nine Thousand, you'll see there's a graph in there showing DCI and where they actually currently measure. And you'll get an idea of just how big a colour space that actually is. And at the end of the day, yeah, And at the end of the day, what use is a Rec Twenty Twenty TV if 
none of the film studios, none of the TV studios, none of the cameras are able to cap- capture anything at Rec 2020. You can't watch anything at Rec 2020, so there's no there's no point having a TV. Uh, DCI exists, material being made at that, mastered at that, that makes sense. So hopefully that answers your question. At Lefty Gu- Guitar 1963, go follow him on Brian Twitter. Mahan, I think. Is, Brian is. Mahan, yeah. Okay, um, let's go to some techie stuff. And the first one's quite interesting, Mark. The, the Amazon Fire Stick. Um, or Stick. Um, <laughs> Can't the, buy it in Holland yet. This looks or like... Sean Connery. <laughs> it was a poor Sean Connery. No, it wasn't that's, Dutch. That's what I thought. I thought, I thought yeah. it, was, it was a very, very poor Sean Connery. Yeah, but then you've not got any room to speak Mr. Withers when it comes to that well, guy. I'm not thing. Scottish, so, you know... <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Just because you're Scottish doesn't mean you can do a Sean Connery impression. All right, let's just draw a line there. Anyway, start there, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the Amazon Fire Stick. Um, it looks like a really interesting little bit. Uh, I get this. So tell us all about it. Uh, well, it's just one of those uh, little media streamers, but rather than it being a box form, it's a dongle that so it just plugs into your HDMI socket. Uh, it does all the stuff that the Amazon Fire TV box does pretty much it hasn't got a usb input but that's about it um so he's got all your streaming services obviously it focuses on amazon prime quite heavily uh it does netflix youtube blah 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 um iplayer and all the rest of it uh, but the, the interesting thing about these devices is they're essentially android so you can sideload all sorts of android apps onto them and, and get a lot of the functionality that, that i talked about in the last podcast with the um sort of the basic android box so uh, sort of the Sorry, a standard Android box. Um, so there's there's just all sorts you can do. Run run media centers off it, and oh, oh, just you know, Sky Go, Virgin TV anywhere, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Tidal doesn't run, but Spotify does, and, and there's you know just just a lot of Android apps will run off it, and it's extremely cheap. So it's thirty five pounds um, now. It was nineteen pounds on the introductory offer. Uh, so it's a very cheap way of making your TV smart, and it's also it features some technology that uh, allows you to uh, log you into the hotel Wi-Fi without any issues. Good. Um, I, I think we should make a sticky as well for the Samsung TVs that are in most of these uh, premier ends and stuff. How you get around the security so you can get into the menus and change yeah, stuff. The service, yeah, the service menus. <laughs> Is, is that a sign that you know we we've just gone too far that we can't check into hotel room without quickly doing a quick <laughs> calibration on the TV? Because I, I do that as well. I, 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 I do it every, every time I stay at a Premier Inn. Uh, I'm probably giving myself away now. Premier Inn, I know who it is. I, I I log into the forum, I get the code, and I change all the settings on the TV. And you know it looks beautiful once you've done that. I never even <laughs> I turn say. my telly on. <laughs> I just go to the bar. Yeah, well that's that's viewed, isn't it? That says everything got, we need to know, Ed. I've got to say, I'll do the Panasonic. Do you know what? I think we are obviously talking about different levels of, you know, uh, alcoholism, societal, societal rejection <laughs> here. But I think saying I'm going to the bar wins out over, or I'm going to sit in my hotel room and tweak my television. No, no, I, I didn't say that. I Surreptitiously do it under cover of nightfall. <laughs> Other people's rooms. I, I, I do go to the restaurant, Ed, which is normally part of the bar in these places. I do go there and yeah. I don't spend all my time in the room, but it's one of the things that I do do. If I'm going to watch a TV, I log into the forums. This is where AV Forums is really useful and where our members are brilliant. Find the code that I need for the TV that's in the room and I'll change it if I'm going to watch it. I, I never turn the telly on. I was in a hotel at Christmas and they had a Panasonic, an older Panasonic, and uh, Laura and I were watching uh, Bridget Jones's Diary and I did a quick uh, you know, quick calibration on it, obviously. And, um, but I'd forgotten where the um, frame interpolation feature was on these older TVs. It was on a different menu. And uh, we were watching it because they reframed it to 1.85 to 1 
even though it's a scope ratio movie. And Laura was looking at it and she went, why does it look like a crappy TV movie? And I said, I know why. And I eventually found it and turned it off the um, frame interpolation. And I thought, well, I'm quite proud of her because she's obviously been watching a, a good TV for long enough now <laughs> to appreciate <laughs> how shit frame interpolation is. So excellent. That's how we're going to judge things now, is it? If Laura yeah. can picks up on it, then it's... <laughs> Uh, right. It could be quite so, scathing, I don't, you know, about some of the stuff that's come through the lounge recently. Yeah, well, I've got to say... you're a fan you're, of curves, I've got to say. I've got to say, your crack's stuff. improved recently, so you're obviously picking up on her jokes. She's, she's yeah, obviously a, a lot funny of one. Material, actually. Yeah. Um, I've lost where we are. Anyway, uh, DTSX, we've been, uh, we've been giving them a hard time, Steve, because they were supposed to announce st- uh, stuff in March. And as we can tell, we're April Fool's Day today. This is not an April Fool's. Um, they have made an announcement that they're going to make an announcement. Hooray! Yes. They've announced that there will be uh, there'll be a launch event for DTSX at their head offices in California on the 9th of um, April. So, in eight days' time, I guess, from when this podcast goes out, uh, and that's good because you know they've been. I think personally, they've been a little bit disingenuous over the last four months by not giving any information at all about them. I mean, you know, DTS, sorry, um, Dolby Atmos and um, Oro 3D are already uh, available in the marketplace. They've been pretty open about how their system works and what it involves. DTS haven't told us anything about speaking configuration. Uh, we know it's object-based, but otherwise, you know, I know we can assume, based upon the disk that we got at, at CES, though, that it's delivered through DTS or HD Master Audio. And we know that they've got a, they've lined up quite a few manufacturers to support them. Um, and um, again, get based upon the demo disc they gave us, I can assume that Lionsgate and Fox might be supporting them in terms of movies. But, you know, I think what everyone wants to know more than anything else is what kind of speaking configuration system is going to use. And they could have at least have mentioned that up to the, at this point. I think they just basically, the whole demo they did at CES was a totally unrealistic, non-real world environment in a circular room. And it was just basically to, to distract people away from, from Atmos for the moment. And and then, whilst I'm not knocking, I'm, hopefully it'll be really good. Um, you know, and I'm sure it will be, uh, and I'm you know, and it's probably well positioned to be the de facto um, format, given that almost every Blu-ray disc currently uses DTS HD Master Audio. I just found their approach to, to date, you know, and the way they've been handling things a little bit disingenuous. But you know, um, I think like everybody, what, what I don't want are three completely incompatible formats duking it out in the marketplace right now because it just ends up no one wins. If uh, they do that, if they go for something different again to the two that have already appeared. I think the whole concept of upwards or downwards firing is 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 dead at that point. If there is no consensus at all, who cares? And the answer is not enough people to want to try and chance their arm. So that's it. Nice fun while it lasted, but an inability for uh, people to decide what they're going to do means that none of them are going to win out. So you've wasted your money, Steve. <laughs> yeah, well, get that turtles disc. Oh, yeah, no. Well, no, um, my, my gravity disc should come next week. Gravity in, in Atmos. I'm quite looking forward to that. But um, I mean, basically, you, like any, when you're an early adopter, you always end up losing. Don't you? It's just the way of the world, and I'm used to it now. I mean, when I think about the amount of money I've poured down the drain over the last twenty years, I'd start to cry. Right. Okay. Um, I'm kind of with Ed on this one. I think uh, there's too much going on. People just won't make their minds up on stuff. We've got no idea where things are going, and um, it's not good when you're trying to launch new formats and that kind of thing happens. You usually find out that everybody's a loser. So I'm with Ed. Everybody's a loser. Is that right, Ed? Yeah, we're all losers. Well, no, that's not necessarily the same sentiment, but yeah, it, it's... it. Uh, you need what if you look at formats that have been a huge success, co- absolute consensus between manufacturers and film companies and licensees as to what's going on. If you look at formats that haven't been much of a success, 
look for rival formats, confusion over what they should do, uh, various iterations and evolutions when the public just wanted something that worked from the outset. It's this one ticks all of the boxes for failure. <laughs> uh, I, I guess the, the biggest thing here is that it is there actually a need for it and to be honest with you i mean yes i've been in demos and it's been quite impressive but also uh, you know i've been testing different speaker systems in my room for the last few weeks now and i've, I've got to say i'm i'm reasonably happy with 5.1 um and don't feel the urge that i need to update no i don't think i think if you look at this logically, and we can eliminate Aura 3D initially, because we're talking about the big boys here, we're talking about Dolby against DTS. Um, from D- from Dolby's perspective, this isn't about necessarily home home audio as much as it is about their their move to as much as they can possibly can dominate the cinema industry in terms of both digital cinema packages and uh, Dolby Vision and um, Dolby 3D and obviously Dolby Atmos. And what they would like to see, and and um, you know, is first film comfort studios and filmmakers to mix in Dolby Atmos and then bounce down um, a 7.1 or a 5.1 or whatever and they support that across um, for, for domestic release. And from the point of view of the studios, maybe that makes sense, it might be cheaper. Um, so that's their point of view. And obviously from D- DTS's point of view, since they are largely the de facto format for sound on disc at the moment, in, on Blu-ray disc, um, they obviously want to maintain that position. You know, if DTS have got any sense, they'd pick a speaker layout that's very similar to Dolby. Or, or, you know, and that way there'll be less. Because at the moment, if you talk about 5.1 7.1, the speaker layout is identical, so it doesn't make a difference whether you're using True HD or Master Audio. Um, we'll see in eight days' time. But, yeah, if, as Ed says, if it ends up, they end up going, you know, mano a mano with completely completely um, different formats, then we're gonna it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Yep, because it's difficult enough to stick two speakers on your ceiling, never mind two for Dolby two for DTS and then if you want to have Oro as well you're going to need at least four I look forward to Steve doing it for us to be our <laughs> yeah you'll probably buy buy out the, all the JBL control ones from richer sounds won't you Bulk I've already got it. six of them <laughs> uh, right it's time to move on uh, we're going to games news next right we're going to games news but we're going to talk about Spotify tell us why Mark um, well, this is the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 3 actually has have finally got the Spotify app. And it's kind of big news because it's an exclusive. We've seen exclusive games on the new consoles have been somewhat lacklustre. And so perhaps a, a kind of different battleground is the exclusive apps. And for in-game music, this makes a huge difference to players. Um, this comes in conjunction with uh, Sony kind of killing off their Music Unlimited service, which had kind of a poor take-up. Um, it, it didn't really uh, get a, get much of a groundswell of support, I think, largely because it was kind of tied into the idea of subscription model. Um, so they've shelved that, come back with this PlayStation Music uh, with a partnership with Spotify. It's exclusive. It's kind of hazy how long it'll be exclusive for, but thus far it's it's a big deal in the sense that you know, it's not on the Xbox One. It's very sleek, simple to use, easy to navigate, and obviously makes a huge difference that you can now play whatever tunes you want in game. And it's you've got the free version there, and you can also upgrade. And that was, most that, impo- was, 
that was going to be my big question. Do you have to pay for it or do you get the free version? So you do get the free version. Yes, yes, the free version's there. This was a lot of people were worried about that it would simply be another case of a service coming out like uh, Microsoft had with their Xbox Music, which would be a subscription version. Um, no, it's the free version. And even better than that, you don't have to get a PlayStation Plus subscription, which, you know, Sony have kind of slowly moved to put things like, um, multiplayer gaming behind that so it's not behind any kind of a paywall and you can control it from your phone or tablet with the app on it and that makes it you know that's the best case the best scenario for using it because otherwise you have to kind of suspend the game and then go back if you want full control there's a kind of quick pause menu that will do your basic functions like uh, pause and, and volume and the like. Uh, but, you know, if you want full control, if you've got your phone handy, then it's just perfect just to be able to control it as and when. So does it allow Spotify audio in-game? Yes. See, that's handy. That, that's yeah. the huge thing, which is, you know, you don't have um, things like uh, from the, the user interface, things like custom playlists. But, you know, if you've got your phone, if you've got all everything all loaded up there, then you know that will make a huge difference and it's also great if you consider that a key selling point of these consoles will slowly become multimedia use and kind of leveraging what pre-existing subscriptions other people have so if you're already paying for spotify premium and you're in the market for a games console if you're paying whatever it is what's it about 100 pounds a year is it so it's work out yeah. For what's the then, sorry, Spotify? Yeah, for Spotify Premium. 120 quid a year. Just exactly. Pounds. So if you're in the market for, you know, a approximately 300 pound console, that makes a bit of a difference. It's also a brilliant move from Spotify because those adverts are going to get very annoying with your gaming, aren't they? They're really going to take you out. So look, I reckon they'll pick up a load of premium subscriptions from this as well. Yeah, I, I think that that's it, it's it's smart for everyone all round, I think. Mm. Yeah, something I've been doing. I've done it with the Fire TV and the Android boxes. I've used, I've had Tidal or, or Spotify streaming over the top when I've been playing some of the little Android games, and it's it's excellent. It's an excellent thing to be doing. And of course, uh, you don't mind me uh, diverging the, the conversation to Tidal, do you, Mark? Because there was some big Tidal news uh, yesterday, and that's Jay Z's obviously bought the uh, bought the company under one of his his pre-existing companies, Ed, and uh, he's saying it's Tidal for all. Well. If you actually look at it, he's got a lot of big names behind it. They're all multi-millionaires, all saying uh, that that Tidal is is uh, basically there to uh, ensure that they keep making money. Yes, so, so it's not um, Tidal for all. Well, ultimately, I'm in two. I'm in two minds. I mean, the, the actual. I, I I was only able to watch about a minute and a half of the actual <laughs> launch video. It's the it's most more than cring- what I did. cringeworthy thing I've seen in a long time. Um, but nonetheless. We have to, you know, I, I don't know about you, but with you know, with the, I very rarely, as a self-employed person, elect to work for free. Um, so, you know, I do feel that some of the deals that are currently, you know, being offered to artists by subscription services are just wholly and utterly inadequate. You know, I one of the one of the things that well before Jay Z got involved, Tidal had made it abundantly clear that they were aiming to get nearer to the sort of rates enjoyed by uh, artists for commercial radio playback, and that is, you know, that is important. People should not be invited to work for free unless they choose to of their own volition. So yes, okay, it's a lot of very very rich people coming together for a celebratory backslap, but as well as those very very rich people, there are an thousands of artists on that on on these services who aren't well you see that was the big question being asked um certainly on twitter today 
is is everybody on a level playing field when it comes to uh, the royalties that are being paid by these services like Tidal? Pass uh, is the short answer. I don't know. Um, but I would say that uh, that that when I when chatted to, to to members of the Tidal team prior to me writing my, my review, they were adamant that um, under their sort of oversight, it was it was a level playing field, and I I can't see them changing too radically. Otherwise, you'd just leave yourself open to accusations of being massive, massive hypocrites. <laughs> well, the, I mean, don't get me wrong, that wouldn't necessarily stop some of them, but I, I think it's important. The, the other bit of news that comes out of this, Mark, is um, is that there's, it's now a two-tier system. It was £20 a month, and that was the only paid option you had. Um, they're following Spotify, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've, they've, they've now introduced... Well, they sold it as... Uh, as uh, Tidal launches new premium service, which is completely reverse of the case, they've, they've actually introduced a, a new lower tiered service with uh, presumably 320 kilobits per second um, streaming to match Spotify. So it's not the lossless streaming you were getting. You get for nineteen dollars, sorry, nineteen pounds ninety nine a month. It's um, it's it's lossy now, like Spotify, but essentially the same because you get all the same features and curated stuff and. And all the same songs. So it must it, be said that the curated playlists, when I first started using Tidal, for every created play, curated playlist that was actually some cop, there were four or five of them where I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't know who they were aimed at. It's got a lot better. They're really getting their eye in. Um, and the uh, the electronica playlist that runs monthly I now is ex- exceptionally yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely love that. I look out for it. Beginning of the month, the, the and actually some of the tidal Tuesdays have been quite good for discovering new music as well. So yeah, um, it is starting to deliver on some of things. And let's be honest, for a number of users do not need lossless, so it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense to leverage this content in a more accessible way. And it looks like with Jay Z getting on board, it's also going to have a lot of exclusive content that Spotify won't have. So that might actually work in their favour. Um, so be interested to see how it goes forward. And talking about exclusivity, that is a Spotify app on the PlayStation. So is that games news, Mark? Yep, that is games well, after news. After a fashion, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a slow week. It's been a slow couple of months, frankly. Speak for yourself. Back in your box with us. No, I'm talking about in terms of games news. Hasn't been many... Mark, has there been any really major games news recently? Well, we could talk about the fact that Legend of Zelda Wii U has been delayed, but to be honest, I'm too <laughs> depressed about it. Yeah, don't, don't talk about that. Segway from that. <laughs> I'm going to play some music so I don't have to. Okay, so uh, moving on, movie news, and uh, the movie's team, the cinema team, have been busy again. Steve, uh, what reviews did they put up over the weekend and what can people catch up on? Yeah, they've been hard at work, and you can currently on the site read reviews of the new live-action version of Cinderella, um, which was directed by Kenneth Branagh and reviewed by um, Cassandra. We've also got Get Hard, the new uh, comedy, I use that term loosely, from Will Farrell with Kevin Hart, where he plays a sort of stockbroker who's, who's being sent to prison and he hires um, Kevin Hart to sort of get him, make him harder and, and prepare him for, uh, 
the prison time, basically. And apparently the film is full of really, really uh, homo- homophobic comments and jokes about and fears of being gang raped in prison and sort of stuff. <laughs> and has, has been really, including by our reviewer, Kamari, has been slated as being terrible. Um, and Got a, a huge backlash ste- about kind of racial stereotypes. Yeah, as well, well also, and- yeah, I was going to say, and the racial stereotypes too. Yeah, it's basically, it, sounds, it seems like it's offensive on just about every single level. Um, uh, and, and, and people are saying it's a real step back in terms of you know, both racial and, and sexual stereotyping in Hollywood. So not good, I'd said. So I'll, prob- signal- I'll, I'll probably love it then. <laughs> I was going to say, that <laughs> will sell it to a lot of people. <laughs> I'm proud of our membership, though, because that was the least read review of the four. So clearly we are a very, you know, f- progressive. But and they forward- didn't want it spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> the Signal was reviewed by Kaz. Um uh, which he really enjoyed. Um, Low-budget sci-fi film. Um, it's been a good year for uh, so far for, for sort of more hard-edged, really, you know, adult sci-fi. And, and this is another good example. And finally, The Seventh Son. And uh, Sharuna pulled the, drew the short straw on this one by having to review yet another adult, youth, young adult fiction film, um, which he thought was pretty bad. And in fact, I have heard it was so bad because it came out in America before the Oscars and uh, it stars among others. And it's got a surprisingly good cast considering, but it, one of the people in it is Julianne Moore and she was in danger of norbiting her uh, possible Oscar win because <laughs> apparently she's so bad in it. Because if you, if you know, um, when Eddie Murphy was in Dreamgirls, he was really, really good in it. Best performance he's ever given on film. And he was in that, everyone's thinking he's going to win the Oscar for Best Supporting Actor. And then a month before the Oscars, Norbit came out and it was so reprehensible on every level that he basically... <laughs> buggered his chances of winning an Oscar. Uh, he, and it's been called ever since Norbiting Yourself. And if you and Julianne Moore, you know, almost... Um, so did Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne almost, almost Norbited himself as well for his appalling performance in Jupiter Ascending. But as it happens, I think they both won because all their performances in those other films weren't good. The films themselves weren't really, really offensive on every single level, which Norbert was. So uh, that's the films that have been reviewed uh, so far. Can I just pick up on something you said there? You said adult sci-fi. I take it you mean serious sci-fi and not naked yeah, yeah. sci-fi. Yeah, not um, not necessarily X-rated sci-fi, but yeah, yeah, just on sci-fi with strong hard, you know, strong sci-fi <laughs> ideas and yeah, not hardcore. I was going to say that every second again, very misleading. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, you know what I mean, though. I mean, like, you, you get kind of the sci-fi that's just got action, wham, bang, thank you, ma'am. Again, a bit of <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, the kind of the crowd-pleasing 14-year-old sci-fi. And then the stuff that makes you think. Uh, and things like Ex Machina is a good example, and The yeah. Signal is another good example. Okay, talking about the Oscars, uh, films open this Friday. Well, you say that jokingly, and I'm hoping to God he was just being very good at promoting his own film. But last week, towards the end of last week, at one of the advanced screenings, um, Vin Diesel was saying that he thinks that, and I'm not making this up, he thinks the Fast and Furious 7 has a chance of winning the Oscar for Best Film at next year's Oscar. The Fast and Furious 7? Fast and Furious 7. Thank you. It's Fast and Furious 7, I believe. Um, Well... I, I actually personally think that this film might be the first film to win the Nobel Prize, but that's just my opinion. Uh, and it opens on Friday, and my ticket's booked, 10.30, Friday morning, Fast and Furious, so looking forward to that. Because <laughs> I get up in the morning, and the first thing I want to do <laughs> I contemplated going to the 12.05 screening on Thursday night, but I thought I'd probably fall asleep in it. Um, but uh, yes, so I'm looking forward to that very first screening on Friday morning of, of, of Fast and Furious 7. Thank you, Mark. Um, uh, it may be that uh, it's actually a, a portent because it may be that actually for the apocalypse. Yeah, Hollywood <laughs> is about to be wiped out by a meteorite, meaning that the 2016 Oscars will be held 
in a Holiday Inn in Northern California. And actually, Fast and Furious 7 was the last major film. <laughs> so actually wins every Oscar. Anyway, what can you say? Finn Diesel, the late Paul Walker in his final film, which they had to complete admittedly by using his brothers and some CG, but never mind. Um, you've got Jason Statham as the main villain. You've got The Rock and Kurt Russell. I mean, what more could you possibly want from a film, frankly? Uh, so that's out on Friday. Also out on Friday, we've got While We're Young. So Kaz is reviewing Fast and Furious 7, by the way, um, for the site. While We're Young comes out, um, a comedy starring... Is that because you can't trust yourself to give yourself give it in any way a remotely impartial he begs review? <laughs> he pretty much begged me to let him review it, so I was like, okay, you're that keen. Um, plus, he's done, he did all the other Fast and Furious movies to date, so I think he feels like he needs to continue holding on to this particular balloon. Uh, yeah, While We're Young, a comedy with Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts, um, directed by Noah Baumbach. Um, that's being reviewed by Sharuna, and um, her review's actually already written, so I've read that, and it's, um, it sounds quite good. Um, an interesting story about an ageing couple who become friends with a younger couple, you know, a hipster couple, and, and how, you know, when you suddenly realise that maybe you're getting on a bit, but the hipster couple are into watching things on VHS tape and listening to records, Ed, and playing board games. It's all very hipster, whilst the older couple just watch things on Netflix and stream music. So I think we can probably relate to that one. And finally, The Water Diviner, which I believe Kamari is going to review for us. Um, that's a new film written, uh, well, certainly starring and directed by Russell Crowe. That looks uh, utterly not a, joyless. Uh, not a great title, I have to say, in my opinion. But uh, it's about a father who goes to Gallipoli to bring back his son's bodies um, and then discovers one of them might, might be alive still. So he um, goes in search of trying to find his, his surviving son. Um, it didn't look like a laugh a minute in the trailer. No, you got, you're right, Ed. But... Um, it didn't look like a bad movie. I thought I might enjoy that, but I just thought the, t- the title just totally puts me off. It's such an awful title. But anyway, if you can put up, if you don't mind Russell Crowe writing and directing, sorry, starring in and directing the film, then um, might be one for you. Get not get stuck in. Right. Uh, so we've got some Blu-rays uh, that are going up this week or have gone up this week, uh, Steve. And um, I've taken a, a great deal of interest in this myself because obviously I've been I've been buying some Blu-rays recently. So um, what do you recommend? Well, um, Paddington is absolute joy of a film. I mean, I know Mark did a quick review for us when he came out of the cinema, and uh, I'm sure he'll agree with me here. He, I'd they, give it a nine, abs- no, Steve, not an eight. Oh, did you give it? You, you'd give it. I, would, I don't know. I think I forget. I scored it. I would have given it a nine. Yeah, um, I give it eight, didn't I? Yeah, meaning. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. I mean, it, I mean, they totally captured the spirit of Paddington, whilst at the same time obviously updating it for, for the modern times. Um, uh, and I thought that Ben Whishaw's voice work was, you know, you know, he was brought in as a late replacement for Colin Firth, who uh, left the project, seeing, deciding he wasn't really suitable for it, uh, a conscious uncoupling, I think he described it. Um, can, can you just ben explain w- who this guy is? is? Is he the guy that played the new quartermaster in Bond? Yes, yes, he's ah, cute. Right. Yes, okay, ben yes, Whishaw. I know who you mean. He's got a very nice, he's got a really calming, lovely voice, and it really works well for Paddington, uh, his sort of politeness uh, and sort of, always slightly flummoxed when he gets off into problems. Um, it really works well. And the animation's great. I mean, they, you really do empathise and feel for Paddington. And, and the cast is really good. And it makes some really lovely little uh, sides, you know, things like it makes a brief mention of one of the inspirations for the original book, which is the kids being evacuated from London during World War II. Uh, Mr. Gruber, who's uh, uh, a sort of German emigre, makes comments to his family moving to London um, before World War II. You know, so it, it, it touches on immigration and people moving to other countries. There's a Calypso band that constantly appear throughout the film as a kind of Greek chorus that's um, again really really works well and and I think in, in these current times 
you know, it's, it's still a valid point to be made. And, and they, they do it subtly, but they throw in lots of really funny jokes and really great observations about Londoner in, in the film. There's a brilliant bit, Mark, with the, in the taxi journey and going past every, um, like, you know, London landmark. And at the end of it, he goes, was that route really necessary? Yeah. <laughs> driver. That was really funny. <laughs> uh, my, my wife, isn't there a light where he's on the phone to the insurance company? It's like, your call is moderately important. <laughs> Yeah, it's genuine. It's very, very funny. It, it's got slapstick and visual comedy for young children. It's got some very witty, clever jokes for, for the adults. It's a family that, film that the, the entire family can enjoy. Uh, the disc itself is great. Lovely picture quality. Um, and, and a very, you know, quite quite a surprisingly um, active surround sound because obviously a lot of his comic antics are things crashing all around. And stuff. And there's, a, there's an earthquake at the beginning of the film, actually, which is quite uh, well rendered uh, in the low end, Ed, with, with the sub-lens. So you'd like that, I think. Um, yeah, and some nice little extra. Actually, the extras are a bit of a, bit of a letdown. There's, um, they're all very, very brief little featurettes and nothing more really than adverts for the film. But certainly in terms of picture quality sound and the movie itself, fantastic. If you haven't got it, I recommend you. It's highly. The kids will love it. And so will you. Next week, Blu-ray-wise, um, not that much, actually. There's, there is a, a, a Zavi-exclusive steelbook of Desperado, the, um, well, basically El Mariachi remake by Robert Rodriguez um, with Antonio Banderas which has never actually had a Blu-ray release in this country. So that's being reviewed by Kaz. So for either fans of the movie or fans of Steelbook, that might be interesting. And I've got Predestination, which Kaz reviewed at the cinema about a month or two, like six weeks ago. Um, so I've had a quick turnaround to, the, to um, home cinema. And that's uh, starring Ethan Hawke. It's a, a time travel thriller based upon a, a short story by Robert Heinlein called All You Zombies, which I've got to say I really enjoyed. I, I think if, you, if you're familiar with time travel movies, you'll probably pick up some of the plot twists pretty quickly. But uh, it was an enjoyable, uh, enjoyable concept uh, and well executed and, and really good. Uh, right, OK. So with uh, The X-Files coming back, Twin Peaks is also uh, returning to the screen. TV is big business these days. We just have to look at uh, HBO series. Uh, you just have to look at Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime. TV is where it's at. So are there TV series from our past that we'd like to see resurrected? And I'm going to start with uh, Ed. Airwolf. Oh, yes. I'm with, you, I'm with you on that one. Um uh, now, to be clear on this, um, I... they CGI it though. <laughs> yeah, no, they can get a helicopter, can't they? Surely, how hard is that? <laughs> it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That they had a short. It was more that they blew the same six enemy helicopters up each week. <laughs> yeah, you've really used the same shots. Um, I don't know. It 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 sits. It's one of those things where oh, actually the premise is preposterous: a, a supersonic helicopter, so on and so forth. But actually, we've got many of the other bits and bobs that are needed. You know, we've had curious behavior by the cia in in different corners of the earth over the last couple of years we've got no shortage of completely whacked out war veteran helicopter pilots to choose from <laughs> um and yeah i, I don't know I, it, it was just one of those things where if it was if it kept some of the kitschness of the original especially if it kept the soundtrack then i, I think it would be just cracking early early evening television I don't, I'm, I'm not I'm suggesting it should get a gritty reboot. I'm, I'm saying it should get a full. But, but should, should it be a camp reboot? But should it be a helicopter, or, or should it be some kind of uh, you know new flying device that's kept what, top secret? What be a drone? Yeah, and probably. So, yeah. so actually, that the kicker is that the bloke that replaced um, Stringfellow Hawk is actually he could actually be. <laughs> You know, not not just mentally scarred. He could be physically scarred, and he has to sit in a porter cabin in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> controlling it. It would lack a certain visual drama. You'd have to work <laughs> on that as a construct. So uh, you said that 
and one of the things that I thought of, as soon as this question popped up on the on the running order, I thought, should we? Knight Rider. And then I thought, well, actually, no, because they, they did remake that. Done it they twice, did, did reboot it. And it was absolutely awful. So um, I'm with you with Airwolf. I think that, that might be... Would you do it as a straight-laced drama or would you do it as a fun comedy type, sort of 18? No, no, it, it, Airwolf never set out to be a comedy. This is really important. It has to have the same... Um, the same knowing this isn't wholly serious, but you can't play it for laughs. The laughs have to come organically from blowing the same six helicopters up every week. <laughs> so you know, that's it's a tough it's a tough act to follow. It would need to be done carefully, but you know, I I think it'd be brilliant. Okay, well I'm going to go next because usually I go last, but I'm going to go next. And my suggestion is more a case of could they make it fit the 21st century and yeah. You know, you know, the way politics are and, and so on at the minute. Um, and that's Buck Rogers. Yes, I was going to say that. You mean you mean remaking the Glenn Larson TV series yes. from the late 70s? <laughs> yes. That was a pretty good Buster Crab t- film series. From, well, I've got to say, Erin Gray was one of my, along with the Bonnet Woman, yes. one of my first crushes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Her in that cat suit. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> that was metal nick <laughs> no oh, tweak what a tweak who's tweak it was yeah, yeah, yeah that's right yeah again but you reuse the same effect shot of a spaceship blowing up over and yeah, over again yeah. yeah I like Booker Rogers yeah I mean sadly we lost Glenn uh, Larson earlier this year didn't we um, yeah. unfortunately he? he died yeah he did well Jan Michael Vincent he died young didn't he yeah, that's well. not necessarily as surprising. Now, um, <laughs> one of those things, back when... Well, Glenn, Glenn Larson's career died 20 years ago. So. Obviously, it's, oh, very, but it's very... Yeah, it's but very he, his name was on everything, though, Steve. It's... Yeah. Um, not Glenn Larson, sorry, Gil Gerard. Gil Gerard. I do remember so. there was a loaded biography of John Michel Vincent back when Loaded Magazine was good, really good. It actually closed last week. Yes, last, um, last one. But um, it was saying, you know, if Airwolf were real, the helicopter would have appeared out of the um, out of that sort of hollowed-out mountain where they stored it and then actually just lurched into one side and blown up because he would have inevitably been off his face on something. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I have to say I was downvoted by my wife. I, I was I, I, I gave momentary thought to giving my son the middle name of Stringfellow, but um, <laughs> unfortunately a, a man who wears altogether too much gold jewellery, and I'm not talking about Jimmy Savile, has, uh, has ruined that work, ruined that in the UK. So Yeah, but again, back to Buck Rogers, I mean, could they do it like they did with uh, Battlestar Galactica? I think the concept's still strong, the idea of someone being woken up in the future. There's plenty of room for... Uh, Future, you know, Futurama, Futurama, and Sleeper obviously have done it already. Um, yeah, I mean, there's room for uh, you know potential there. I think um, whether it, I think there was talk about doing a Buck Rogers reboot actually. Um, but if you're going down the sci-fi know. road, can't you go the full the full mile and do Blake Seven? Oh well, they, they, that would have to be done by the Brits though. That would have oh to yes, be a BBC cardboard thing. sets, Lego guns. That's yeah. it, you see. see, that's the thing. If you do a reboot of one of our favourite shows from our youth, invariably half of the appeal was the fact that they were, let's be honest, rubbish. Yeah. And and so if we do them in, with modern effects and, and modern production values and modern film equipment, you know, and would it be the same? Because well, you know, well, what was about Blake 7 was it was a really... Well, Doctor Who's kind of made that transition quite well, actually, I think. But if you look at Blake 7, what it was was a really, really cheap knockoff of Star Wars, wasn't it? And that was half the fun. 
Well, going yeah. back to going back to Elf, you see, yes, it wasn't that expensive to do, but some of the stunts done in in the helicopters, I don't nest, I don't know what the what the insurance business would be about getting getting them done again today. There's one episode, uh, bizarrely, with David Carradine in it, and um, just as a complete, just just a random shot. Speaking of untimely deaths, <laughs> well, yes, you know, what le- you know, wardrobe always a problem, um, but there's a there's a just a shot where they're testing. And they're slaloming the helicopter for real at a height of about 10 feet above the ground through cones. And it looks insanely dangerous. <laughs> it's it, it has no, you know, no great over, overarching meaning to the, to the plot or the rest of it. And I'm just thinking, you know, if you ask someone to do that now, they'd go, health and safety, no, go away. So, you know, yeah, whilst the, there's, there's issues about, like, you know, sets and all the rest of it i, I, I there are some other issues which are, are, are harder to solve yeah but i know what you're saying steve but then again you know the same could be said of a battlestar galactica and they made that work for yeah absolutely for, um, for a new audience being one of the one of the best tv shows of the last of i'd say the last 10 15 years yeah. um yeah. the result of, i mean yeah because i think they were quite clever in their way they obviously they made it much grittier more realistic they also like all good science fiction it was as much about a commentary on our current situation as it was about the future you know it was a commentary on things like insurgents and things like the war in the, in, in iraq and that kind of stuff and that's what made it so so prescient uh, well so yeah. relevant rather to our uh, and therefore really really valid television regardless of the fact that it was technically sci-fi yeah i'd like to see um if you want to move on to me phil don't no, i don't jump the gun uh i'd like <laughs> to see joss whedon use... <laughs> yeah true i'd like to see joss whedon use his post avengers muscle to uh, get uh, either some more films or a new series of uh, Firefly made. Yeah, you're talking about... That, that was cut off in its prime and it was a really yeah. good show. It was, it was really good. And um, probably the last time I had a crush on somebody on a, on a TV series. Uh, which one? Cause... Engineer. Oh, oh Jules oh, Kate. You like Kaylee? Mm. That, was, that was the last time I had a crush on, uh, on a TV character. I like She's It's only because I can't remember the name of the lead actor that I didn't just make an unnecessary gay joke. I was going to yeah, yeah, so I was, I was waiting for the home of We were all thinking that. I just yeah. <laughs> She also then appeared, didn't she crop up in some Stargate Atlantis stuff? Possibly. I, I mean, to be watch. fair, Firefly was, was had a fair... I mean, Marina Bakarin as a Inara was, uh, was was fairly hot, and Summer Glower's River wasn't too bad either, so no shortage of um, attractive girls on that show. Yeah, but the thing, the thing was, I, I think, what, what you're getting at as well was the characters in that. Every one of them was a likeable character, and you yeah. wanted to know what was going to happen next. And the bad guys were genuine bad guys. Um, yeah. Which we haven't seen for a long time, um, and you know there was that there was that chemistry there. It was sci-fi, but at the same time, you could have set that anywhere, really, um, in terms of the. the well, story yeah, I mean, if you look so. at it, um, and this is uh, an influence. It was actually an influence on his writing. Uh, he started the concept, conception came from him reading a book called *The Killer Angels*, which is actually about post-American Civil War in the South. Um, and what happened there, and, and the Reconstruction, and that's effectively the the. the um, the establishment of the, of, um, of the story in, in Firefly, it's basically the same idea, but in a sci-fi environment. So once again, it's much more of a commentary on, on you know, human reality than it is about, you know, something set in the future. Um, but yeah, I just love his writing. And, and watching those 13 episodes, you're thinking, this is such a good show, and it got cancelled, you know, and they didn't yeah. even broadcast some of them. And you're just thinking, like, I don't understand the network sometimes. Um, but now he's got a bit of, I mean, he did, obviously he did make Serenity the movie, which kind of encompassed a lot of what would have been season two of that series. 
Um, but, you know, maybe he can use some of that muscle now to get either another film made or uh, or, or another series. Yeah, or, or maybe just leave it as it is, because maybe you kind of you know, maybe you kind of recreate the magic you know maybe it's better just being left it's a very awkward age steve where it's probably been too long to reboot it <laughs> with the same people but not long enough to do it all over again yeah yeah still i mean netflix have, have got a, a bit of history now of helping i mean they did a, another series of Arrested development uh, after that had been cancelled twice i think by its uh, by its original network um i know that uh, amazon picked up the third season of ripper street got the bbc dropped it so there is room, for, I think, with um, the online, yeah, the, the subscription um, online providers, um, maybe bringing back some of the shows that have, um, I mean, yeah. Showtime are the ones that are doing Twin Peaks, which again is, is really out of the blue. I mean, and this is a long time after, was that 91? Yeah, but there was, uh, there's, there's nothing see. really to build on though, is there? Because did anybody understand <laughs> what the f*** was going on in Twin Peaks? But it's good to see, I mean, obviously... David Lynch hasn't done much for the last 10 years anyway, but David Lynch and Martin Frost coming back, plus the original cast like Karl McLaughlin, um, that's good. Uh, I think there's enormous potential for X Files because they left an awful lot of loose ends at the end of that season, um, uh, season nine. I think. But you see, the, the thing with X Files was that once it got to season four, I lost interest. It was kind of like Lost as well. I mean, after season two, I lost interest. So. <laughs> lost, literally lost the plot, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, I think there's uh, X Files is going to face the same. Uh, it's going to it's going to face the same challenge that it it always did because there were those of us that loved it for the episodic monsters, monsters and then of the there week. were the the Baker foil milliners that wanted it for the alien conspiracy stuff, and you know whilst they were sort of tolerant of each other, it still pulls the show in either direction. I much preferred the episodic mon- monsters to yeah you know just yeah. vague suggestions of of aliens. I always found that unutterably tedious but i know there are plenty of people that wholeheartedly disagree with me yeah but, but i mean just you know, a six-parter they're just going to be tying up the loose ends from the whole kind of conspiracy lunacy rather than actually jumping in the b-movie kind of monster appeal i don't know i'd love to go i'd love for them to go back and find that the uh, human liver fluke thing is now i don't know a successful car dealer in wisconsin <laughs> or something. just magnificent subvert expectations yeah i don't know if i've been i've been re-watching x-files from the beginning i'm on towards the end of season five now and and when it was first broadcast i used to enjoy the monsters of the week episodes and i wasn't really interested in the whole over you know overreaching arc, story arc and the mythology and all that sort of stuff about the alien uh, invasion aspects but now i'm enjoying that more than the monsters of the week episodes um and i think the film the first film was very much uh, part of the mythology and the alien stuff and it bridged between two seasons the film they did a few years ago um was a monster of the week episode effectively and was generally badly received. So I suspect with more likely they're was going that to try the Billy Connolly one. Yes. Yes. Well, he's a, I think he's a child molesting priest now or something. Not to a good start really. Um, so I think that they might, well, I mean, and there are an awful lot of loose ends, so maybe they could tie up some of the more alien invasion, you know, overarching yeah. storyline mythology stuff. Okay. Let's move it on. Uh, Cause there's still two other people who have to give their, uh, their suggestions. So Mark, which sci-fi TV series, cause that's, that's where we're going with this. <laughs> which sci-fi TV series do you want to see coming back? Mine's Northern no. Exposure. Do you remember it from the 1990s? Yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. one joke on that and it was where they, they were walking around in circles and he said, why are we walking around in circles? Cause one leg shorter than the other. <laughs> it wasn't particularly funny and nothing particularly happened but it looked so good uh, even like it was in standard definition so I think it looked amazing sort of reshot in, in 4k hopefully uh, I, yeah I just think it was just one of those things it was 
it was just a really pleasant watch. Characters were all really likable. It was amusing rather than funny. It was kind of a bit like Paddington in reverse almost. It was a guy moving up from <laughs> New York into into a, a society that was completely alien to him. And it was his gradual acceptance of the way things were in, in Alaska. I just loved it. It was just one of those things I, just, I, just, I genuinely loved. It. I think it looked amazing reshot in, uh, in high def. That's the only thing I remember from that series was that joke. I can't remember anything else. I can't remember what the setup was or... Yeah, it's not something that made an impact on me. I like the comparison. It's like Paddington in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good way to sell it. One for the bots. <laughs> I was permanently stoned during the 1990s. That probably helped. <laughs> <laughs> that does explain a lot. <laughs> uh, Mr. Botwright. Um, Well, we've done sci-fi. Uh, if we're on kind of explosions, could the A-team be done? Well, you had the big screen version, which um, mixed reviews really on that one, wasn't it? But that tried to have an actual story, which wasn't yeah, the A-team's point. People were hit by bullets in it. Yeah, we yeah. went against the uh, whole Unloading exhaust. an entire magazine at four feet and missing everybody. I, I, I've got, I've got to say, I thoroughly enjoyed the Mythbusters one recently. I don't know if you caught it, Ed, or not. but No, I didn't see that. Uh, where, they, where they did the, the A-team special. And it was basically, could they um, design the same thing within within an hour? Um, could they be left in a shed with, with different bits and pieces and actually make what, what was made in the episodes? And it was really quite funny. Well, that's it the was... thing. I like stuff like Mythbusters. I like, you know, old episodes of Scrap Heap Challenge. And this just threw in a couple of kind of, you know, M16s and firing <laughs> along the floor a lot. Um, I mean, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, the A-team done right. Or, I mean, even more bizarrely, again... Uh, weirdly of its time but could possibly survive outside it is MacGyver although I don't suggest you bring back Richard Dean Anderson for it I don't think he could grow the required you know that was something that I never ever watched I have no idea what MacGyver is um, it defies easy description. We don't have enough time left in the podcast. The <laughs> Wikipedia entry is sufficiently tongue-in-cheek it recognises the foibles of the television programme um, so yeah it's uh you know, it, it, I, I, it would be would be an interesting one. I mean, by the same token, um, uh, the Fall Guy. I used to love that. <laughs> oh, oh that yeah, the Fall Guy. Yeah, I really did enjoy that. Again, because it would more often than not more by luck than judgment that he resolved anything at the end of the episode. Did the same, just, there's is not enough the Lee Majors one. Yeah, Lee Majors. It. It, it, it was around about the same time as there was that movie about Stuntman as well, which starred um, Burt Reynolds. Reynolds. Stuntman Hooper. Yeah. I think that was the inspiration. Oh, uh, yeah, Usually I think it was, TV yeah. shows that then yeah. were basically, successful film would spawn some kind of TV series knockoff, and that was what The Fall Guy was. Yeah. Although I wouldn't mind seeing a, a reboot of um, Six Million Dollar Man. There's been talk about that going on. I suppose they'd have to up the budget a little bit now. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't get much for Six Million Dollars these days. $64 million With the way wearables and other technologies going, that's something which... Um, given today's society, would probably do quite well. Does anyone remember the Gemini Man with the digital watch where he turned a button, pressed a button, and became invisible? No, no, no. no. They, um, yeah, I, no, you're showing your age yeah. now, Steve. <laughs> I think it was Patrick Duffy, by the way. It was the Gemini Man. Oh, I could be wrong. Now you see, there is one other thing where it might finally be time because it only exists as a pilot, which has never really been shown. It might now be time to actually unleash Heat, Vision and Jack upon the world and make that. Uh, and because none of you will have the faintest idea what I'm going on about that, I will supply you the Wikipedia link and we can put it in the podcast as well if this bit makes it. But um, it's worth it simply alone because it features Jack Black as a talking motorcycle. 
It sounds like a kind of Seth MacFarlane spoof. Like uh, Wheels and the Leg Man. <laughs> Jack Austin, a former astronaut who was exposed to inappropriate levels of solar energy, giving him super intelligence. He appears to lose his intelligence at night, requiring only Earth normal levels of daylight to reactivate it. His catchphrases are, I know everything and knowledge is power. For real. <laughs> Heat Vision, a talking motorcycle. He was created when Jack's unemployed roommate, Doug, was shot at by a ray, causing him to merge with his motorcycle. He is capable of speech and can fight by ramming into opponents. He is unable to use doorknobs and is unable <laughs> to write himself if pushed over. And I'm sorry, it wasn't voiced by Jack Black. Jack Black was the astronaut. It was voiced by Owen Wilson. <laughs> oh, this is brilliant. Directed by Ben Stiller. <laughs> You can't tell me that you wouldn't be interested in yeah. seeing how that might well, work. The, the theme tune was also sung by Tom Jones. <laughs> Look, we're talking something which is wall-to-wall class. <laughs> I is now this need an to see April if... Fool's now? No, 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 no. This did, genuinely existed. I now need to see if it actually exists on YouTube. Because uh, if it does, that's what I'm doing. It, it does, unaired pilot. <laughs> it's on, it's on, not on YouTube. It's on, a, on, another, uh, on another video li- uh, link. I know what I'm watching tonight then. Well, there you yeah. go. But as I say, I, I I have dimly, I've watched parts of it before. Um, I can't say I was sober. It looked really good. So I think that that would also be another candidate for uh, for, for, for being, you don't necessarily, I mean, to be honest, I don't, whilst it would be nice potentially to have Jack Black and Owen Wilson do it, I don't think you need them. I think that the talking motorcycle and an astronaut with sun-based super intelligence this, stands up on its own. This sounds like another Theodore Rex campaign to me. <laughs> See if we can get it crowd source fund crowdfunded by uh... Dear Netflix. <laughs> please, can please, you please, 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 please. So yes. Have we now just I th- I think you've blown all our minds, Ed. Like, <laughs> I d- I don't think there's anywhere we can go with this, to be honest, from this moment on. No, I think that's pretty much it. Okay, and on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one last thing. BJ and the bear. Bring that one back. I know, see, I've got vague memories of that one, but I think I, I can't remember what it was actually about. I just have vague memories well, of, of, of the truck driver. Yeah. Again, rip-off of the Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. You know, you can remember which way it loose. It was a TV version of that, basically. But it's an actual bear. <laughs> no, it was a monkey, wasn't he, bear? I don't know why he was called bear, actually. You say that <laughs> like I should know. <laughs> well, true, true, yeah, fair enough. Do you okay. remember Gentle Ben? Yeah, I remember Gentle Ben. <laughs> what did hobo. I can't even remember how the bear actually helped them. I don't know, by, by being gentle and not tearing <laughs> them in from them and eating them, basically. Can I finish this now? Yeah, sorry, went scared. <laughs> uh, my thanks to Steve Withers. Remember that face I showed you, Scully? I'm making it again. Mark Hodgkinson. The virus has mutated. Mark Botwright. We're going down to the morgue. And Ed Sally. You've got to train for that kind of heavy lifting. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and video. And you can also leave us a rating on iTunes. Even if you didn't enjoy the show, you can still leave us a rating. We'd rather you left us five stars, though. I'm Phil Linton. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll see you again next Wednesday. 